welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Allie, and I'm so excited you're here today for another episode. I feel like I've been working on so many different projects recently, but I'm still glad that I'm able to put out episodes for you guys. So today, I'm joined by Rachna Kumar, who is a recent graduate from the University of Washington School of Business, and she's now a full-time strategy consultant. I actually found her through her TikTok where she has a community of over 17,000 sharing life in Seattle, college advice, and so much more. In our conversation, Rachna shares how she landed her first brand deal with Majuri. We also get into answering if you really need a niche in order to grow your TikTok account and her top five spots if you're ever visiting Seattle. We also dive into Rachna's time at UW including how she made friends and how she found a balance between work and play. This was a super fun conversation, and if you guys want to check out Rachna's content, I've linked her socials in the show notes. I would love it if you could take the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I love to see them, and I'll definitely repost it on Instagram. But other than that, have a great week. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Now let's welcome Rachna onto our podcast. Hi, Rachna. Welcome to our playground. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been following you on TikTok for a long time now, and obviously you're from Seattle, and so it's just fun getting to talk to someone who's, you know, from Washington because most of the guests, you know, are from elsewhere. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Thank you so much, Ali. I was so honored when you reached out. Like I was telling you, this is my first podcast. So I'm super excited to be here with you today and excited for our conversation. Yes. So first of all, I feel like you have a very interesting, like, I feel like for the guests that come on, I usually introduce them, but I would love for you to kind of introduce what you do and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you said, my name is Rachna. Um, I'm a recent graduate of the University of Washington. I studied finance and information systems in the business school there, um, which is called the Foster School of Business. Um, and yeah, I had a wonderful experience at UW. That's what a lot of my TikTok content is about. And starting this November, I'm going to be working full time as a strategy consultant at a global consulting firm, and I'll be working out of their Seattle office. So we'll be staying local and getting to continue to enjoy all that Washington has to offer. Um, and as for how you reached out to me, I'm also a lifestyle content creator on TikTok where I share my experiences as a college student and now as a postgrad um, in the city. And this includes sharing local recommendations um, and like travel itineraries. I think that's something that a lot of people follow my page for is just um, content about things to do in the city and like fun activities that you can do either solo or with your friends. And I also um, share a lot about my personal life through both montage and vlog style content. So yeah, I think um, first and foremost, I'm a business student and working consultant, but TikTok has been a really exciting and fun way for me to uh, explore some of my other interests and share that with the world. So yeah. So I want to start off by talking about your content creation journey. And, you know, I found you through TikTok. I don't even remember how or when. I feel like when you scroll on TikTok, you just find the most random, like, content and then immediately, like, you're hooked. Um, so when did you start posting on TikTok? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm honored that you found my page. Um, but I started posting um, 
on TikTok a couple months into the pandemic. So I want to say like April or May 2020. Um, and actually before the pandemic, I was one of those people who thought I was so mature for not downloading TikTok. Like everyone around me would be doing like dances and I was just like, oh, like that's so weird. Like I thought of it as like another musically. So I was like, what is this? Like I'm not, I'm not gonna join this app. Um, but once I actually downloaded the app in COVID, I realized that I really enjoy the environment on TikTok in a way that like other social media platforms didn't really have. Like I think, you know, when you think of Instagram or even for me, like um, I don't know, Twitter, even other platforms, I feel like it was mostly a way to just connect with my friends and like see what my friends were up to. But TikTok was such a great place to like, for people to share what they were interested in, and then like, actually learn about even the most niche of topics. Like I thought it was a really great environment for people to just share whatever they were interested in. And there was someone out there who was interested in that same thing, which I thought was super cool. Um, I think it, TikTok as a platform does a really great job of like celebrating and uniting people around their different interests. So that was what led me to like start posting. Um, and like I said, it was during COVID. So I was missing UW a lot. I was back home and I was, I've always been one to make montage style content. Um, even in high school, I would make little snippets of vlogs whenever I would go on a trip or whatever it is. So I just started posting videos that I had accumulated from my time in my freshman year at college. And unexpectedly one day, one of them got like 30,000 likes or something. And I did not realize the virality of that platform. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I could actually post on here and like reach people. And that's really cool. So it was all very unexpected. I started off just kind of posting for my 20 follower friends, but whoever was on the platform and it ended up turning into a lot more than that. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. I feel like so many people like yourself have like been able to like really jump into TikTok because of just one video. And it kind of just like goes from there, which I think is so amazing. So getting into more of how you create content now that you I feel like you've done it for a long time now. What's like your process for creating content? I mean, you do a bunch of different types, so would love for you to walk through all those. Yeah, um, this is a great question. And I wish I had a more rigid content creation process because I think that would make my life a lot easier too. <laughs> but the truth is I mostly just have like spontaneous bursts of creativity and that's where the majority of my content gets made. So for reference, I literally have a notes page on my phone that's called um, TikTok ideas. And it's literally just like a list of 200 random things that I think of. And some of those things get made immediately. Like I'll write it down and I'll come literally right here and just start filming or editing or whatever it is um, if I'm feeling really inspired. But some of those just never get made at all. Like there's probably ideas from like two years ago that I still haven't made. So it just depends um, on how inspired I am by things. And um, like I said, some like since content creation is kind of like a side hustle for me, I often have to be really intentional in carving out time for it amongst my other like school commitments or work commitments. And the best balance I found is just living out my life as normal and then deriving content inspiration from my daily life. So whether that's like the experiences I've had or, you know, certain things in my routine I'm implementing or insightful conversations I've had with my friends or like even sometimes recently it's been like things I've been writing down in my journal and I'm like, oh, like, that's an interesting thought. Like, let me just talk about that. So um, I think it's been very spontaneous for me for the most part. And I think um, if there's something that I notice is becoming like a recurring trend for me, that's when I start being like, let me start this into a series. Like, for example, I found the, the I think my most popular series is definitely the 
things to do in Seattle series. And that was started off kind of as like a me sharing a one-off idea here and there. But then I saw people really enjoying it. One of the cutest things is that people were like tagging me when they would go and do the thing and say, oh, like I'm doing this because of you. And that just made me so happy and excited. And from there, I kind of started turning it into a series based on, um, you know, the different things I was doing, the different partnerships I was having with Seattle-based businesses and things like that. So place, but basically it's just spontaneous with um, room for like making it long-term once I really resonate, once a specific idea really resonates with me. Yeah, no, I, I totally get, I feel like when you are, I mean, just thinking about my podcast, I feel like there's just some times where you just like don't have like, you're just, your ideas aren't flowing and you feel like you're at a standstill. And so I think if you try to like make something, even when you really can't, you know, it's like, it just doesn't turn out right or it just is not fun. I feel like having, taking those like creative bursts of, you know, or that those bursts of like creativity that you have and then being able to just like use that and then creating content from it. I think that is like, honestly the best way to go about it especially if like it's just something you're doing on the side especially right yeah no that was a huge thing for me because sometimes I would get into these modes where I would just not have any inspiration for like a few weeks and I would be like mad at myself I'd be like oh like how are you not you know able to come up with things like this is you know everyone drills into your brain consistency is key consistency is key like you need to be posting or you feel like that with your podcast too and it's just I would sometimes have to take a step back and be like, wait, this isn't my full-time job. I need to cut myself some slack. Like I have other things going on. And I found that by being more present in my day-to-day life, instead of worrying so much about what I'm posting on TikTok, that has given me a lot of inspiration to like funnel into TikTok later on, you know? So yeah, I think it can all be easy. (laughs) Yeah. So for like, when you first started, was there any, and like you started getting a lot of followers and a lot of views, what were some things that really surprised you? Things that you were like, oh, I didn't know this was like a thing like that content creators had to go through? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, something that really shocked me about the content creation process was just how much like business decision-making and business strategy that goes into it. When I started moving away from creating content just for fun, but also trying to like grow my page and monetize it. I was shocked at how much of business skills it required that drew directly from my business education. So like whether it was developing a marketing strategy for like my personal brand or negotiating deals with partners, um, different partnerships and um, companies out there. It was so much like smart business decision making that I did not expect because like I said this was like a very like oh la di da like I got a video that did well woohoo um and then as I'm actually trying to grow it I'm like oh like there's so much relevant things I've learned in business school or even just like from observing brands in real life that goes into this and it's it's a lot more time consuming than most people think myself included there was a point in my junior year of college where I had like five different brand deals going on in one month. And I was like, so overwhelmed because I was having to do school and like club stuff and, you know, career stuff on top of this. And people were like, oh, well, you're just making a tiny little TikTok video. And I was like, well, no, I'm also like making a contract, a legal contract and like negotiating the terms of it. And then, you know, going to the actual location they need me to make this stuff. Like there was just so much going into it. And um, that's why I will never downplay anyone else's career because I'm like, it's, it's a lot of work and there's so much that goes into, um, 
these things and especially if you want to do it well so I think it was that was what shocked me the most was just how much business and like negotiation and like strategy had to go into it but in a way it was very very exciting to be able to apply my business knowledge to like this kind of real world personal business of sorts like that I feel like that's the best way to learn right it's just doing it for yourself and some people might go out and start a but for me, it was like, oh, let me just invest these resources into my TikTok. And I've learned so much from it. So it was a really great experience. Yeah. What was the, the first brand deal that you got and how did you get it? Ooh, this is a good question. I want, okay, the first one that I can remember is um, Majuri reached out to me, like the the jewelry brand, which is so crazy for my first one. Like, I feel like there had to be something before that, but I kind of, I only set up a business email on my page like a year and a half into making content so I think that's I was already at a point where I had like eight or nine thousand followers and yeah Majuri reached out they emailed me and they were just like hey we want to gift you this product and I was like great I'll take it and I you know I remember I made like a whole unboxing I had my roommates come in and help me like unbox it and like hold the camera because I didn't have any professional professional equipment at that point I think one thing that's been really exciting for me about brand deals too is um, obviously it's great to feel like, you know, you're connecting and promoting like either local or big businesses. Um, But it was also really cool because it gave me like a whole new angle to content creation. Like before all of the inspiration was coming from my own daily life, my own, you know, routines, whatever. But from getting these cool products and cool like experience opportunities from these brands, I was able to get inspiration from that. Like majority giving me the earrings ended up turning into me posting more about my fashion. And, you know, that was like a whole new avenue of TikTok I had never explored. And, um, you know, I started going to like these events in Seattle that I otherwise would not have gone to. So I think it was just a really cool way of kind of getting out of my comfort zone a bit and posting things that I otherwise wouldn't have and experimenting with different sides of TikTok and different sides of what I want to share with the world. So um, yeah, it was just a really cool source of inspiration. And I think to this day, Majuri still gifts me products, which is very cool that they were like the first still still stay with me. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like, well, with like TikTok, there's so many different like niches and categories. Do you think to grow your account, do you need like a specific niche to be able to like reach people? I think... That is such a such a good question. And it's something I really grappled with a lot. Because I think you're so right that there is often a lot of pressure for new creators to pick and then build a niche in a very specific area. Um, And that's kind of what happened to me. Like I said, that one video went viral. And then I started posting more Seattle content and that went viral. And then, you know, people started commenting like, when's the next Seattle video or whatever, you know, like it was very like my niche became Seattle. And I think while that was really good for me to grow a following and kind of make a brand for myself in the beginning, it also ended up being extremely limiting, both creatively and growth wise. So to directly answer your question, I think it can be good to specialize in a few areas that you're passionate about. But I would if I could go back and change my initial posting days on TikTok, I would tell myself, like, don't limit yourself to this one type of video just because it's doing well. Like, experiment with different types of content that you genuinely are interested in. Just, like, objectively thinking about the numbers, there's only so many people that live in Seattle, right? Um, that 
in itself is restricting your growth. Um, if you only limit yourself to one thing, like you're going to grow a lot in that specific area, but then after that, you know, it might fizzle off because there's only so many people that are interested in that one topic you're talking about. So I think like my advice to my old self and any new creator would be to like post about a few different things you're passionate about, but don't feel limited to just the one that's doing the best. Taking that own advice for myself recently, I've started experimenting with posting other topics like South Asian culture and business and wellness and those other things. And I have lost some followers who might have only followed me for the Seattle content, but I've also been really pleasantly surprised with how many people resonate and engage with that type of content um, and how much more like fun I have posting about that because it is representative of the full me. It's not just that I live in Seattle or just that I'm a you know brown woman, but like all these different things about myself. So it's very rewarding to like feel like you're heard in these different areas. You do need a niche in the beginning, but I would never tell anyone to just restrict themselves to that one niche because it can be very limiting both creatively and I think also having a niche in the beginning can help you kind of like just know where to start, I guess, because you have like a focus and then you can have ideas from that. And then, you know, over time, like you did, you can branch out and try other things. Yeah, definitely. I think a really good example of that um, is a creator that I follow. Um, I don't know her real name, unfortunately, but her username is Legal Baddie or it used to be Legal Baddie. And I think she changed oh, yeah. to her real name. Are you? Do you know her? Do you follow her? See her on TikTok? Yeah, I think I've seen her videos. Yeah. Yeah, like she was super cool because her niche was like law stuff. And she would post exclusively about like dissecting the law. And now I see her on my For You page and her name is not even Legal Baddie anymore. I think she changed it to her real name, which I should know. Um, I think it's Delara or something like that. But she, she now posts about everything. She posts singing content. She posts some law content. She posts some, you know, personal life wellness stuff um routines like it's really cool to see how she evolved from doing something that she was really really good at and then managed to keep people interested for more than just that one strength in her content Mm -hmm. yeah I do know her I've seen her videos before and I definitely think like also I feel like if you are able to like share your personality on the internet and like actually be authentic no matter what type of content you post there will still be a lot of people who like resonate with it either way definitely yeah so if someone wants to start posting on tiktok what are your tips for them i would strongly advise against like just posting one type of thing um i think i would recommend that people pick a few different things that they're passionate about and just start talking about it or posting about it or whatever um, type of content you feel most comfortable making Um, And I think it's really important that you're picking something you're passionate about because it's so much easier to make content if it's something you're genuinely interested in. Um, And that really comes across too when people are watching the videos, right? Like you said, if they're authentic about it, it makes you so much more interested in what they're saying. And I think one piece of advice I would also give is to like not doubt yourself as much. I think something that I really struggled with in the beginning was I would make a video and then I would watch it too many times and I'd be like, oh, this is bad or like this is obvious like no one's going to get any value out of this um and I would leave it in the drafts for a really long time one of my most viral videos I left it in the drafts for like three months and then I post it and I'm like shocked because people are like oh thank you so much for this like this was really helpful or um you know this was really insightful I think the big advice I would give is to give yourself the benefit of the doubt and know that 
even if something feels like it's obvious or simple to you, it could be super valuable, interesting, or even life-changing to other people. So give yourself that opportunity to just put yourself out there. I know it's so hard to like put yourself out there on the internet. You never know who's watching what and thinking what, but I think like just putting yourself out there and, you know, letting people digest it and respond the way they need to post it and then get off the app if you need to like you don't need to watch it again you don't need to see what people are commenting in real time but just putting yourself out there because oftentimes the best performing videos are the ones that we critique the most in our heads so Mm -hmm. yeah I do that sometimes too where I'm like I post a video and then I immediately delete it because I I know if I still have it on my phone I will be clicking on TikTok like every five seconds (laughs) yeah no, I'm totally like that too. <laughs> so moving forward, I want to talk more about your college career and now your post-grad experience. So how has post-grad been? It has been lovely. This summer has been the first true break I've had in a very long time. Um, every other summer has been filled with internships when I was in college or even in high school, I'm sure you're, you know, busy with like camps and programs and podcast recordings, you know, like it's, it's really hard to find time to go on like a proper break and vacation. So this being my first summer off, I took advantage of it by just pursuing a summer of travel. Uh, I started off in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, um, and then I went to London, uh, my first time in the UK or Europe in general. So that was really cool. Then I spent a month in India with my extended family Um, And then most recently, I went to Washington, D.C. and New York for a little East Coast fun. So um, that was a really nice summer of travel. Um, I'm starting work full time in a couple of months. So like I mentioned, I'm going to be working at a strategy consulting firm. And I actually interned there last summer. So I already know a lot of the people and really enjoyed the work. So um, I think I'll, I'll have a lot to learn from the people there and all of that. I am a little nervous about just transitioning into post-grad, like, you know, full-time working girly, I think it's going to be very different from college in the sense, I'm sure you already know since you are already um, doing Running Start, but, you know, you can kind of pick when you have your classes, you can kind of pick when you do your work. Obviously, a full-time job is not going to be like that, especially in consulting where it is known that the work hours can be very long and intense. So um, I think I am a little bit nervous about just finding a way to balance like my social and mental health along with work, but I also um, I'm very excited for the like experience. I think um, I'm just very ready for that next phase of my life. So yeah, I think it should be a really good time. Yeah, that'll be exciting to see you post about that because obviously it's like the next, it's like a new thing in your life. So I'm sure you're, you'll be sharing about that. Um, going back, so you went to UW and I would love for you to share like why did you choose that school? I know we talked about this before we started recording. Yes, yes. Um, I think a huge thing about UW, so I'm from Washington, born and raised here, uh, first and foremost, value for money. Uh, in-state tuition is very hard to beat. And I think given the opportunities that UW has and me being a business major through and through, I was really thinking about the return on investment, my value for money and all of that. And um, UW was really up there in terms of just solely looking at value. Um, But with that being said, I did also have a few full ride scholarships to private schools in California and New York. Um, But I decided to go for UW for its bigger school environment because of a very good quote that someone once told me, which ended up being very true. Um, The quote was something like, you can make 
you can always make a big school feel small, but you can't make a small school feel big. Um, and I'm pretty sure when the person was telling me that, they were telling it to me from like a, oh, like football games perspective, but it actually ended up being like every other way too. Like having the resources and the diversity of a big school environment while also being able to find a home and um, in smaller communities through some of the clubs and the dorms and, you know, just the friend groups I was joining that had similar interests to me. So I think that was something that I really enjoyed is having those institutional connections that UW has, especially as a business major who was trying to network with like Seattle-based companies and things like that. Um, it was invaluable to have those resources and those connections in the city life, but also being able to take st a step back and find a smaller group of people um, that I really connected with and feel like felt like home with. Like, I think a, a great story of this that I have is literally from my freshman year fall quarter, I was walking to um, one of my classes and on the way I passed like six people I knew, like just walking through the quad. Um, and I was like, wow, like you would not think this is a school of 45,000 people, the way that I'm just walking through the quad and ending up seeing people that I know because there was just so many opportunities to find those smaller communities and connections. And um, that ended up making even the, such a big and intimidating school like UW really feel like home. Yeah, I love that quote. I feel like I remember when I was like a sophomore, I was like, I'm not going to a big school. Like I just like, you know, I want to know everyone because <laughs> my freshman year, I went to a pretty small high school. Um, but I feel like it's true. Like you can't really make a small school feel big because you really do like know everyone and so and there's less people for you to like learn more about and like be friends with and so I I think having that big school aspect definitely definitely appeals to me at least yeah for sure and it's like to each their own like there's so many people that do amazing at private schools because there is such a like individualized attention on you which is awesome but it's also something that I think you can get at a big school if, if that's the kind of environment that you think would be best suited for. Yeah. So talking more about that, what was your experience making friends at college? I mean, I'm sure like because you stayed in state, you knew some people from your high school that also went to UW. So what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, yes, I was very lucky to have like some good friends going into college. Um, and I was very intentional and I think all of my friends from high school were very intentional and like we're gonna stick together but we also don't want to like just be friends with each other like we don't want this to be like a high school 2.0 you know so the biggest way of doing that I think was through joining RSOs which is basically just a fancy way of saying clubs yeah I joined a bunch of RSOs um, starting from my freshman year itself uh, I will say I was very shocked because so many of the clubs at UW are like you have to apply to get into them and then you do like four interviews like it's like crazy like you would think you're applying for a job for example I really wanted to stay connected with my cultural identity I wanted to learn more about my culture and connect with other people who are also um, you know South Asian origin have heritage in South Asia so I ended up joining the South Asian Student Association at the end of my freshman year um, and I actually stayed in that for all three years of college after that and um, ended up being being president of it my senior year so that was a very cool like progression um but through sasa is what we call it um the acronym um i was able to meet so many other uh indian and um other south asian people that were just very very like i learned so much from them and i learned so much from the leadership in that organization as well so it ended up being great for my professional development 
I also joined um, a club called Montlake Consulting Group, which was um, basically a student-run consultancy where we did projects for local businesses and Fortune 500 companies. And that was a really cool way to not only find friends, like other like-minded business individuals, but also make some professional connections that ended up helping me in my job search and my internship search. So I think, um, yeah, my, my experience in making friends and finding connections was really by putting myself out there in those kind of going back to that big school topic a huge part of going to a big school is not just joining the clubs. Like, I don't think joining is ever enough. I think it's also about being proactive and reaching up to reaching out to people and following up with them. So, you know, joining a club and then saying, hey, like, you seem cool, want to get coffee or hey, like, I really like that you did this. Like, can we talk about this? You know, and I know it can be so scary to leave your comfort zone and like make that first move on someone. But in my experience, the best friendships and experiences came from me putting myself out there and taking a chance on something that I wasn't sure would work out. This is really scary, but every other time I've been scared to do something and I do it, it usually works out really well. And also like on that note, from a professional connection standpoint, I think it was really important also to view networking as an opportunity to genuinely connect with and learn from cool people rather than something that was like transactional or fake. Like that was a huge misconception that I saw a lot of people in college where they were like, like, I think it's so cool that you're doing this podcast and just trying to like learn about people and learn about things. Like that is like the definition of amazing networking and just, you know, you're building your network and it's, it's fantastic. I love that. So I think a lot of people in college were scared to like put themselves out there because they were like, oh, it's so fake if I'm hitting this person up. I'm like, no, I'm like, people would be honored to hear that you want to learn from them and that you think they're, you know, cool or doing something cool or whatever. So really just putting yourself out there and not worrying as much what the other person um, or group might think. Yeah, I actually listened to another podcast yesterday on networking and the host, she talked about how every time she enters like an event or you know something where there's a lot of people right and there's a chance to like network she never wants to leave the room with like regrets that oh i should have talked to this person or introduced myself to that person and so like that's like really stuck with me and i feel like it's so true you don't want to like there's been so many times where i've wanted to like ask someone for something or like ask them a question and then i leave the room and i'm like why didn't i not just ask them you know you don't want to like feel that and then who knows, like, if you did ask, like, what could happen? No, totally, for sure. Like, there have been so many times where that exact thing happens to me. You know, I walk in somewhere and I'm scared. I'm scared to ask a question. And then I don't ask it. And then someone else asks the same question and they get like, wow, like, oh, that's the worst. That's I know. Worst. So I think just like really putting yeah. myself out there and then also reminding myself sometimes, I think we tend to like take ourselves too seriously. You know, we're like, oh, my God, like everyone is looking at me. Everyone is thinking about me. Everyone is doing this. But I just sometimes shake it off. I'm like, it's really not that deep. Like no one is thinking about me. No one is fixating on every word I say. So I think that is also something that helped me is just to like not take myself so seriously and instead be a little bit more casual about some of the interactions I was pursuing. Yeah, mm -hmm, definitely. So while you were doing all these clubs and also academics, how did you find a way to balance everything? I feel like that's something I struggle with so much no I totally feel you balancing is definitely something that I think freshman and sophomore year I struggled a lot with um like I would be on extremes like I would just study all day and like not talk to anyone or like vice versa like I'd spend the whole day out and then I'd be like annoyed at myself for it um and like feel like I was behind on my work so 
freshman, sophomore year, especially with COVID, it was such a weird time, you know, but by junior, senior year, I think I got to the point of like knowing how to balance things and achieved what I consider to be a pretty strong balance. And I say that just because I think a lot of times we are very harsh on ourselves and think that balance, like learning how to balance things comes immediately or like comes from like a discipline switch. But I think it really just takes time to figure out like what works for you and what doesn't. So I think my biggest like tips for that or like things that I did that I found to be really effective were one, starting work early. So I would like do the hard things that I really did not want to do as early as possible because then it gave me time to do the fun things later when I actually wanted to do them. If at 10 p.m. someone was randomly like, oh, like, let's go do this. I would have the capacity to do that because that assignment that's due at 11.59, I would have done it like two days ago, you know? So I think just like starting things early and giving myself the flexibility to make my schedule into what I wanted it to be um, really helped the work not overwhelm me because there's always going to be more work, right? Like there's always more that you could be doing. I've also always been the type, the type of person who would rather do four hours of intense work and then four hours of hanging out with friends rather than eight hours of sitting with friends studying and kind of like half talking, half studying. Like, I think, I don't know if that makes sense, but basically like separating the work from the play and being very intentional and being both. That's something that I think is a skill of mine that um, really helps me be focused when I'm doing one thing and really appreciate the fun times because I know that I'm not worrying about the work aspect of it. So yeah, I think it's carving out time in, in my schedule to make sure that I'm not combining things and not unnecessarily multitasking and rather being very intentional and present in whatever I'm doing. If you aren't, you know, getting that time for yourself, for your social wellness, for your mental health, you're not going to be able to do as well academically, extracurricularly, or career-wise, right? So I think just really reminding myself of that when it would be easy, like I said, there's always going to be more, it would be easy to say, okay, I've worked for four hours, but I could do three more hours of work. No, let me take a break. Let me go take a walk. Let me go meet up with a friend, like really um, internalizing that and setting boundaries on my time as well. So I wasn't just overworking myself all day. Yeah, I feel like that's such a good tip to, you know, try because I feel like when you're trying to study with friends you don't really actually study you're like you know you're like looking down like you will look at your assignment right and then you'll start talking and then you keep doing that and then at the end of that you're like wait I didn't get anything done like it's 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 like fun to study with friends but at the same time it's like very count like it's not very productive so I definitely think like really just disciplining yourself which is really hard to do but I think what you said just splitting that up making sure you have time to get the things done but then also have some fun too exactly yeah I think if it's it's important to split it up because otherwise it's like oh well this is my only time to see my friends I want to make the most of it I want to talk to them but if you know you're anyways going to be seeing your friends it's a lot easier to get that discipline in because then you're just telling yourself like well this is going to be infinitely better when I go hang out with them and I don't have this assignment hanging on my back, right? So yeah, it's it's a, definitely a mental switch and it takes a lot of discipline. But, uh, and of course, sometimes you can study with friends. You know, sometimes I would like grind all day and then in the evening go study with them so that it would be like, I didn't feel bad if I wasn't <laughs> doing my work, you know? Like I was like, oh, well, I've already worked. And now I can like kind of chill if I need to at the study sesh. So yeah, there's a little bit of both. <laughs> mm -hmm, definitely. If you could go back to your freshman year, what would you do differently? Ooh, good question. <laughs> I would go back to my freshman year self and I would tell them to trust 
the process and recognize that college, especially your freshman year, is a transition period on every single front. Um, And what I mean by that is I think that there's always this pressure to like, you know, find your group of friends day one, like on your floor, find your friends. Okay, now find this club that you're interested in, get into the club, do really well in the club, and that'll land you your job. But like, it was like very like, a lot of pressure on myself and from others around me telling me that, okay, like whatever you do this fall quarter freshman year is going to define the rest of your college trajectory. Um, And I think that is just fundamentally not true after going through it. And so if I could go back and do something differently, I would try to shift my mindset to recognize that freshman year, fall quarter, or freshman year in its entirety um, is very much a transition period that you kind of just have to go through and grow through. And that means that the friends you meet your first quarter aren't necessarily going to be your forever friends or the clubs or internships that you do or don't get into won't define your career trajectory. Um, Like not everything is going to be your cup of tea, but if you're not finding it to be your cup of tea, that just means that something better is out there, you know? And a quote that I really like that now my older self knows is um, this quote that's like, you can't mess up what's meant for you. So I think if I could redo freshman year, I would try to have that attitude of keeping a bigger picture outlook and recognizing that like all these like quote unquote mistakes I'm making or so-called failures are actually just an exploratory thing, an opportunity for me to practice and like learn and grow through that rather than that being like the end all be all that I should get so caught up in it, you know? So I think that was, did, did that make sense? Like basically just being a little bit kinder to myself and recognizing that even the bad parts of freshman year are necessary to like go through because it means that something better is coming after that. Yeah, I think definitely just like, again, what you said at the very beginning, trusting the process and really like, I don't know, I feel like sometimes when you just like thinking about me in a year, right? I feel like just, it's like a lot of, you know, there's, it's a whole new thing, it's a whole new chapter. And so I think, um, honestly, just like taking it one day at a time too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would get so caught up in like, what am I going to do in a year about this? Or what am I going to do in, you know, six months about this? But like, all I'm responsible for is what I do today and hope that the actions I do today make life easier for future me. You know, I think that's kind of my guiding principle. (laughs) Yeah. So now moving on to your, I guess, Seattle recommendations. What are, for someone who's coming here for the first time, I guess, well, yeah, coming to Seattle for the first time, what are like the top five spots? It could be like food tourist attractions entertainment Hmm. um so firstly i would say (laughs) subtle plug but i would say it definitely depends on the time of year you're coming in so if you're interested you should check out my things to do in washington series (laughs) where i share a bunch of seasonal recommendations um to anyone listening watch next so on tiktok but um generally speaking i think seattle and washington in general, are known for our beautiful outdoors. So immediately on the top five, I would definitely include some of our iconic parks like um, Gasworks Park in uh, Fremont, I guess that would be considered. Um, Gasworks, Gasworks Park has a stunning view of the Seattle skyline. It's also a great picnic spot. Another great picnic spot that has a beautiful lake as well is Green Lake, um, just north of that. So 
definitely recommend those two on my list. I think in terms of food and entertainment, Capitol Hill in Seattle is a residential neighborhood that has tons of diverse cuisines, um, especially as me who follows a mostly vegetarian diet. It has lots of like dietary friendly um, restaurants and it also has like all of the best clubs and um, yeah, like venues and concert stuff. So it's a great place to be if you're interested in exploring Seattle's nightlife. Um, I think every tourist that comes here has to do the Space Needle. Like I know it's so overrated, but like it's just view and Seattle Center is a cute area. So if not going up the Space Needle, at least go look at the Space Needle. Um, and if you have more time, I would definitely recommend going to uh, Mount Rainier, just like actually going to the national park, because I think that is something that you are not going to find in any other state. Like you're not going to find that kind of access to the mountains and the national park in general. So would definitely recommend um, going there, especially if you're interested in doing like a sunrise hike. Um, there's a point called Sunrise Point, which is so, so beautiful and very accessible either by hiking or um, if you want to just drive to the point directly. Uh, it's a great place to stargaze and then watch the sunrise over the mountain. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love all those recommendations. I think Seattle is so just like, or I guess Washington in general, is I just love it here because you get the city. There's a lot of like, it's very diverse mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, the people. And then you also get like amazing, like nature, like everywhere. Right. And I just love that. Like, I, I love feel it. like that's like, yeah. I know I like some people might say like it rains too much, but I also like the rain Yeah, I mean, most of the time. <laughs> I like the rain when I don't have to like be outside in it, <laughs> but I yeah, do love it. For sure curling up with a book and like letting the rain hit my window. Yeah. Like, that's super nice. Um, I think my college routine was so nice because I would like U district is very much like city city. Right. So I would wake up and like go on a morning walk, like maybe get like a, a bagel or something from one of the shops there, get a coffee. And then I would walk to Gasworks because it was only a 30 minute walk from UW. And I would sit there. I would usually go with a friend and we would just sit there and like dog watch and people watch and like, you know, see the morning. It's not too crowded in the morning. So we would just sit there and talk. And then I would walk back and like go to my classes as like a normal person. So it was just like such a beautiful, like, like going from like the city to like the pure nature and then back and then just like resuming my life. Like it was so lovely. Like that's just like the best. And even now, um, like my family uh, is from like the east side. So just, you know, going to one of our lakes nearby or the trails, like it's just so convenient. And I sometimes forget that not every state has that, you know, like, when I was in New York, I was like, oh my God, like you have to drive six hours to get to a ski place. Like that's crazy. Yep. <laughs> we have those 30 minutes away. So yeah. 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 I think that's like the honestly why it's like one of my favorite. And I'm excited to like when I, you know, continue, ex I guess, continuing to like explore the state because I feel like there's still like so much that I haven't done. Me too. <laughs> Is there, okay, I asked like every guest's question, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Good question. Um, I think my, I've already said like a bunch of them throughout this episode, one being like, you can't mess up what's meant for you. Cause I think that's just a really good attitude shift. Um, but another really good piece of advice related to productivity is um, if you started doing something two weeks ago, by today, you would have been two weeks better at doing it. And I think that this quote really resonates with me um, or this advice really resonates with me because it was given to me at a time where I wanted to do so many different things and I was intimidated by all of them. Like, but I was most intimidated by 
starting it. Like that was the scariest part of the task, right? Um, So this quote really helps me to remember that everyone has to start somewhere and that progress really comes in baby steps day by day. Um, I think after I got this advice, I literally just started by making a list of like what I wanted to do, like a a to-do next little baby steps, kind of segmenting out the things I wanted to do into different ways I could go about achieving it. Um, And that helped me so much because it really gave me a starting point um, and really helped me feel motivated and inspired enough to start the tasks that I was dreading and putting off for so long. So yeah, I think that is the best piece of advice I've ever been given. And I would definitely give that to someone else too, of just whatever it is that you want to achieve or you're interested in starting, just start somewhere, anywhere and let it grow from there. Don't be so caught up in like, what does the step six months from now have to look like? No, just think about what you have to do today and just do that. Um, and you, you'd be surprised at how much, like once you start, the momentum really picks up from there. Yeah, 100%. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, um, so my socials are my name, so R-A-C-H-N-A-X-O on TikTok. And then it's um, my name Wanders on Instagram. So R-A-C-H-N-A-W-A-N-D-E-R-S. <laughs> wow, that was a spelling lesson. Yeah, those are my two socials where people can connect with me for like all my content and things like that. I've been trying to grow my Instagram recently as well. So TikTok is definitely where I post the most, but um, Instagram, if people want to DM me on there or um, just check out my content on there as well. And if people are interested in connecting with me professionally, my LinkedIn is my full name, which is Rachna Kumar. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Rachna, for coming on the podcast. You shared so many amazing little gems and I learned so much, especially from someone who is, you know, from Seattle and, you know, wants to go to UW most likely, maybe, I don't know, but um, thank you for sharing your advice. It was so fun having you on the show and yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Ali. And it was it was really fun talking to you. And if you ever need anything related to UW or Seattle or whatever it might be, um, definitely don't hesitate to reach out because um, I think you're already doing so much great stuff with your podcast and all of that. It would be awesome to see you keep doing it in college as well. So yeah, thank you so much for having me.